Hi, this is Steffi and welcome to the Financial Fox for a special episode focused on gaming infrastructure, which is a big topic right now, especially when we enter the world of Web3. This episode is a panel discussion with the two forward-thinking founders. They are innovating the space of Web3 infrastructure. Carlos René is the founder and CEO of Dega, an innovative gaming startup which provides scalable infrastructure and fast transactions for Web3 gaming and the metaverse. And Prashant Morea is co-founder and CEO of the decentralized infrastructure company Spheron Network, which provides decentralized cost-efficient hosting, storage, and compute services to Web3 and Web3 customers. So forget about AWS and Google Cloud. Here we are on another planet. We are on the future planets. And we are discussing this with you. The focus for both Dega and Speron is on user experience. So building technology that people don't have to struggle to use. They don't have to run the extra mile to build something, but they can easily do. They can also have an infrastructure that is easy interoperable. And I think this is one of the key aspects of Web3 is really about UX. I really enjoy this discussion with Carlos and Prashant. I hope you do too. If you are in gaming and interested in understanding the next generation of infrastructure, this is the episode that you should watch. If you have got any feedback, any comment, any question, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can do it via email at steffi at financialfox.news or you can comment on our social media and we will do the best we can to help you and also to put you in touch with our amazing guests. So this was great. Now enjoy the panel and anything, let us know. We are always here to foster innovation and we love the engagement with our community. Remember, if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, click the subscribe button now and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. And now a quick word about the Financial Fox channel sponsor. GreenGage provides e-money accounts for small and medium-sized enterprises, high net worth investors and digital assets firms. They leverage the latest technologies, including blockchain, to unlock new funding and liquidity, a game-changing for many SMEs, which are fundamentally underserved by traditional financial services. As a client of GreenGage, you will have a dedicated relationship manager, Yes, a real person who will listen. And getting started with Green Gage is easy. Trust me, I've gone through the process myself and it's been really simple and quick. So if you're seeking a more personalized experience in managing your accounts in the digital space, I generally encourage you to check out Green Gage. And here is a little bonus for you, my wonderful listeners. Use the code FOX10 when signing up to enjoy a 10% on the first year's fee on corporate accounts only. The link is in the description, so take a moment to explore what Green Gage has to offer. Now, back to the show. Hi guys, how are you? Doing great, Sophie. Thank you for inviting me here. 
Yeah, it's brilliant to have you both on the show. So today we are discussing a very, I would say, a compelling topic because it's a gaming infrastructure. And we know that decentralization and blockchain has brought some interesting feature to the gaming industry. And some of them are very valuable, especially when it comes down to players, to ability to monetize their assets. And it's all about the future of gaming. So let's get started and uh, let's go straight to some introduction. Hello. Yeah, happy to start, Sefi. Thank you. Uh, so on my side, I've been doing computer science for over 13 years now, and I've been in the blockchain space for over six. I created my own development studio. Me and my team have done everything from deploying new layer ones, uh, side chains, cross chain DEXs, NFT minters, and other types of applications. I also had the pleasure of working one year at IOHK, leading their Cardano side chains programs, particularly centered around EVM technology. And uh, now I've been focused on Dega for over a year, where we want to bring the same experience that uh, AWS brought to the internet. That's what we want to bring to the blockchain space. Um, focused on gaming, right? And um, additionally to that, we also uh, are building a crowdfunding product called ISPO, which I'm happy to go into details later on. Oh, fantastic. Prashant, over to you. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Steffi. Um, coming to myself, I've been building software close to around 12 years now, building company for the past four years into the Web3 space itself. So done a lot of things. And over the time, over the span of time, the only job I have done is to build around the infrastructure itself. So during my early stage of careers, worked into infrastructure. And then while after coming into the Web3 space, did not even thought to kind of uh, work here also in Web3 in infrastructure space. But we ended up in doing infrastructure. Um, so what we are building at Spheron is a unified platform where anyone or everyone can go and start building or launching their application within a line of a code or within a click of a button. So that is what we are trying to enable at Spheron. And we have been building on this solution for more than three years now as we speak. And our intent is to go and build for the next, I don't know how many years, till the time I have um, like uh, strength in my arms and my brain, I'll keep on building into that area. So that is where we are at Sferano. I love it. I love it. So much passion. You know, I'm going to build until I die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Prashant, you are an idol. So let's uh, uh, talk about what are the current centralized solutions and why they are they have lots of limits especially for uh, the next generation of games and carlos you mentioned about aws perhaps that's a good point to start yeah yeah happy to do so so uh, the current centralized systems right in in gaming right uh, besides the fact that from an infrastructure perspective they have a single point of failure right like it's uh, one company, right? So in the sense like people are investing thousands of dollars uh, of and hundreds of hours, right? Uh, on a monthly basis on games, right? And right now it's dependent on one company. So if that company makes a mistake and they go under, right? You just lost all the time that you invested in that. You're not part of an ecosystem, right? So that's where, let's say, the infrastructure centralization um, takes place, right? That's why the work that companies like Spherung and Dega are doing is so relevant. And then there's the other limitation, which is around the IP. So a lot of these games, you wouldn't believe how restricted the usage of their IP is. Like They'll tell you how to run your own gaming streaming channel um, with their content, right? They say, you can't do this, you can't talk about this other subject, um, you can't play it this way, you can't lock it or monetize it in this other way. So they're giving, they're, they're dictating to you how you will do your business if you want to work with them, 
right? And if you don't follow the guidelines, you're off. You're immediately banned from the platform. So this is why uh, these are the limitations of the current uh, centralized state of gaming. Okay. Uh, Prashant, is there anything else that you want to add? So I just wanted to add a few more points what uh, Carlos has just covered here. I believe he has covered everything nicely. So one point is also just wanted to give it a, with, a, with a quick example around it. So let's say you are, you, are, you are playing a game and game always all the games, apart from infrastructure, all of these games are also going to be having its own assets. And what are those assets are? Those assets can be your skin in the game, your, let's say you bought a cap into the game, you bought something into the game, right? So all of these things becomes an asset. And when you own an asset, what does that asset as a definition means? You own it, not the company own it, right? So let's say what Carlos has just mentioned, if the company goes down, it goes down. Your all the asset whichever you have earned and everything is gone. The day it just goes down or something happens. So that basically means your hours of effort, which you have just put in playing the game, is no longer there to present or show it to anyone. And that is where the bigger challenge comes into the picture and start trickling into the gaming infrastructure. And what we look at on the Web3 side is the allowing people to build something over a decentralized infrastructure. And that is where decentralized infrastructure comes into handy more and more as you kind of get into more deeper integrity of it. And then on top of that, I, I was not a gamer already. So I used to play PS1 in my very early days, but over the time I kind of left that and started playing the real game, like going into IRL. But later realized like a lot of people are making money by building some uh, box game as well. So that is when I kind of started looking into again in the gaming space and realized one more very interesting thing. And I think Carlos will also agree on that is um, the if I'm playing a FIFA on PS5, I can't play the same FIFA on Xbox. The reason is because of the disconnect between these two worlds, right? And if you look at Web3 ecosystem as such, just imagine you built a game on Ethereum. And on that chain, you can go and access the same assets, same links, the same whatever you want to and build another game all together. Or you can connect all the different ecosystem at from one uh, ecosystem itself. So that is where the another level of uh, scalability comes into the picture and allows people to uh, not to build multiple or different ecosystem versus just play into the same, same ecosystem and, and grow that as well. So that is where uh, the difference kinds of trickle into as we kind of compare with Web2 based gaming system versus Web3 based gaming system where, where it is going now. Yeah, that's interesting because I guess that also games, uh, Web3 games, uh, they are kind of built with a different mindset from Web2 games. And that's where there is uh, maybe a problem with the current infrastructure, especially when you mention about owning your own asset, but also moving your own assets across different ecosystems and me being able to monetize those assets as well. But I feel like um, we are still in a stage where there is a lot of experimentation. This game, most of them, they are still in development, so they are not ready yet to, to use, uh, you know, to get mass traction and mass adoption. So I think this is like the, the point where the current infrastructure like AWS, they are still able to provide uh, or they still want to try to provide their solution. My, my question would be, what are, if you have to list those aspects, they are in of games, they are different from the Web2 gaming space. They are more Web3 native. What would you think will be 
uh, those um, uh, yeah, elements that need a solution. We can call it even the pinpoint of the Web3 gaming. They need uh, you know, a different, uh, uh, a level up infrastructure, a better infrastructure. Um, so I was recently working with a gaming company and they are building gaming infrastructure as well. So kind of started supporting them to understand is like what are the problems in the gaming infrastructure comes into and how they kind of think about the gaming infra. And while I was talking to them, and, and this is the majority of the question which most of the people will ask, is is there really a difference between Web3 gaming infrastructure and the Web2 gaming infrastructure? If you look at a very high level, the difference should not be there, okay? Because at the end user, end user should not even worry about the differences. If the end user is worrying about differences, that is where you are killing your Web3 experience or killing the user experience or whosoever is going to be playing your game. So the intent is to keep both the worlds same. It should look same, but underneath it should not. So it's like, let's say, um, in the account abstraction when it came into the picture, when it came into the picture, right? So suddenly everyone was not even worrying about gas fees anymore, right? So now anyone can sponsor your gas fees and now you don't even have to have a certain token in your wallet to pay for that gas, right? The same way it has to happen on the gaming industry as well. The people who are buying the assets inside the game, they should not be forced to open a MetaMask. They should not be forced to open a certain kind of uh, mask, like a certain kind of wallet altogether. And the experience should be very similar. I know we are still behind in building those experiences, but there are companies who are building into this space. And, uh, and, and it's amazing to see is like how fast they are moving into this space. And coming to the AWS part, Again, AWS is the underlying infrastructure that can be replaced by any time. The moment you have a solid um, infra being built around in the gaming ecosystem itself. But I would love like Carlos to also kind of add in some points. That is what I wanted to add. Thank you, Prashant. Yeah, happy to do so. So I think you nailed it um, in in the main point, right? So um, what you're talking about is essentially the product UX right? Like I don't need to be able to be aware that I'm using Web3 to enjoy the benefits of Web3. That's how it should be. That's not where we are right now, but that's how it should be. And a good example I like to give everybody like is, you know, every time we're using the internet right now, we're using protocol encryption, we're using uh, networking protocols as well. We're using a whole bunch of systems that we're really not even aware of. And we couldn't care less about them but they have to be there, right? They better be there. Like I definitely want my passwords to go encrypted when they're going on the network, even if I'm not thinking about it, that's how it has to be. So that same thing has to be for gaming, right? And going to, to your original question, Steffi, about what are the attributes that should differentiate Web3 gaming from Web2, I think that um, one of them is um, true asset ownership, right? Which is something that Prashant touched upon at the beginning, right? So I, I should own my asset regardless of the game. Right, like if the game disappears, if the company doesn't work, want to work on it anymore, um, or if somebody else wants to create another derivative experience that uses my asset, my digital asset, that should be possible, right? So I, I should have true ownership of my asset, that's one. The other one is we're talking about having open systems, right? Open APIs, right? Uh, again, the, people have no idea how incredibly restrictive the usage of the current systems is, right? They, they will tell you what you can charge for, uh, what assets you can upload. The other day I was talking with an esports company and they tell me that every time they want to do like a partnership with some of these games, Web2 games, it's six months when they, when they uh, actually want to get it done. Right. When they're excited to have you on their platform and do a partnership with, with you to sell digital assets, it's six months, right? If, if they're like, if you're a nobody, it, it's eight months 
plus, right? If you're somebody that you know isn't famous, right? So in Web three, like I can just jump in right now, write a script, upload the content. Like it'll take me a day or two days to upload a new be it NFT or a new token or a new、uh, soul bound, right? And integrate it into a new、uh, game and experience. And I don't even need to ask for permission, right? It's so I think that open APIs are definitely the second、um, key part, and the third one is community, right? So right now, like a lot of people aren't aware that the normal Growth for a game is like going parabolic on the first few weeks or months, and then dying off slowly over time. Right? That's what happens to most games. Like a game like Fortnite or like Roblox, they're the exception to the rule. Right? Having a game that outlasts like several years. Why? What's the difference? Right? Why Roblox and Fortnite are growing while other games die off? Because they have community. Right, and they don't even realize this、uh, fully, right, or or, or somewhat. They're they're kind of like realizing it right now, but basically, it's the fact that they have a whole ecosystem and social experience around their game. That's what gives gives it its lifeblood, right, and and renews it. Um, so in Web three, this is like super obvious to us, right? Everything in Web three is about community, right? So to give you an example, right, like there, there's a new game,、uh, a new guild system that was deployed on PUBG, right? I think I, I don't, I, I don't recall if they called it guilds or something else, but there's there's now a, a clan system. That's what they call it there. So I went and tried to find the clans, like I want to see who's out there, what are the clans and everything, and all that I could find was a leaderboard. They have no tooling, no community-oriented applications, right? And in Web three, when we did guilds in Web three, when they started booming in the last bull cycle, like they came out of the gate community-oriented, right? It's not game-oriented. The focus is should be the people. So that is something that Web three gets like natively. Web two kinda starts to get it in some games, but most of them don't. So again, just to summarize, is true ownership. Open APIs and community oriented. Well, I think、uh, Carlos, you you explain it really, really well. And、uh, one of the aspects that I want to pick up、uh, from your answer is the concept of decentralization. And put this question to Prashant specifically. So, how does decentralized infrastructure unlock value for gamers、uh, and also games creators? I believe most of them has already been like we have just discussing about the decentralization about the community. Other aspects. Now, if you look at a very high-level community, is nothing but it's also infrastructure which adds the value to the entire like gaming ecosystem. So that makes them become an infra to kind of take it forward. But specifically talking about the digital infrastructure, where which is behind the scene, running the engine, running the nodes, running all of those things. That is where just to kind of focus on those areas. So first thing first, like I said, is like owning an asset. How you own an asset when your data is sitting on a centralized database, where I can go and modify whenever I want. So that is one place where decentralization comes into the picture and helps gamers and the community there to own these assets in a real format, not in a just fictionary format, right? So that is where the fun part of it. Second part of it is like if you know running a running a gaming ecosystem is quite expensive as well at a very high level. So let's say if you are If you are building a game in in that you have a live stream or something, or let's say if you are building a game which has certain kind of backup which has to be enabled,、uh, believe me on in terms of infrastructure, it becomes way expensive to kind of manage、uh, from day zero without any credits. So that is where another level of、um, help which comes into the picture on the decentralization part. So, for example, at Sphere on itself, right? So if somebody goes and use Sphere on for deploying their APIs, endpoints, or 
um, or even their web hosting or, or any of these things, they become at least 25 to 30% cheaper than any other uh, existing infrastructure provider and they don't even have to manage those things. So that is where the additional cost or you can say benefit comes of a decentralization, the part of the cost side where you can you can get all of those infra at a much more cheaper cost because the market is open for that. The third and the most important part is the speed of building this infrastructure. So that is where uh, I personally feel like it becomes very important. Um, so for example, what Carlos has just mentioned is like, go ahead and I can just within, without eight months spending, I can do it in uh, next two days or one day or depending on like how, what exactly you're looking at. So that is where the, again, it enables. And then the fourth and the most important part is the the cross-chain compatibility that basically means like you don't have to be, you don't have to just rely on one chain you can go and play multi-chain from the day one it's like calling yourself like you are building for ps5 and enjoying your game on xbox okay so that is what it basically means in the gaming term but that can be easily enabled in in uh, in the web3 infra space and and this can only happen with the decentralization into place so these are the uh, benefits which any uh, one building into the space who are using web3 infrastructure which is a decent infrastructure, can leverage from day one. Brilliant. And just uh, to give us, uh, uh, give our viewers a bit of information about where are you building, what kind of blockchain you have got integrated, so then they know where Sferon is operating. So first of all, we are building remotely. We don't have any such offices as at this point of time. Um, we thought we'll have one office in, in India, in Bangalore or somewhere else. But then we thought like, okay, let people like uh, build from their home. And that is what the ethos of Web3 as well. Um, we have people across the globe, Africa, Serbia, India, Dubai, and US and all of these places. So we had a very good uh, team like building across the globe and, and 24 into 7. That is how we are kind of operating. Coming to um, again, like Sferon as such, at which are the chain which we are kind of building now. We are in almost in most of the chain. Uh, just day before yesterday, we also lost Sferon on base. And then even as we speak, we already have, we are, we are live on um, Polygon, not Ethereum because Ethereum has too much of a gas cost and I know our users are not going to pay for that gas, gas cost. So uh, Arbitrum, uh, Optimism, just name the chain, we are already there. So that is where we are kind of uh, live now. Coming to like what are the things which we support at Sphere on this point of time as we speak. I believe we are recording it at a, whenever this recording is going to go live, we have one very interesting thing. I don't know, like, I, I believe a month now or even two weeks, three weeks later, we are, we are launching a scalable compute. We are launching a storage, a nice revamp storage UI. So we are connecting all the dots of infrastructure, whichever is, whatever is needed for a developer or a company to scale and launch their infrastructure on Web3 completely. So that is where at Spheron we are at, and that is what our offering are at this point of time. Wow, super interesting. I mean, the point about interoperability is definitely a game changer, but it, it, it really comes with a lot of challenges because like one of my questions would be there are uh, different games they have got different uh, metaverse different worlds where they are building how can you make uh, the assets interoperable with the same value across all uh, diff all those different worlds well i can take that one if you want so um there's there's two things to what you just said right there's one which is the interoperability across infrastructure right um, in gaming, we actually need very little of it um, in the sense that, for example, I can have, let's say I do a RPG game, right? And then I have my character and it's on the uh, base chain, right? And then you have your character on, let's say, Polygon, right? 
uh, we can take the metadata from those systems, right, and showcase it in the game. Then you and I can duke it out and have a fight. Um, we don't really need to be on the same chain for that, right, for, for, for that experience. And that's going to be the case for most of the experiences, right? So the, uh, uh, let's say, um, engagement of the assets, it's not a big deal. Now, when do we, we do need interoperability? When, for example, if you have a shield that you're going to sell to me, right? Now I've got to buy it. It has to be transferred to my wallet. If I don't have, you know, a presence in Polygon, then the system underneath has to handle that, right? And for that, there's many protocols being developed already. There's bridges, there's uh, many systems many uh, companies tackling this issue and building the systems for it, right? Again, the key here is just to abstract that away from the user, right? So a good, a good thing that, we, that we're doing, for example, at Tega, is we're building all of our API based on what's called a meta transaction, right? So a meta transaction allows you to abstract away the payment of the gas fee uh, in a given blockchain and even everything can be abstracted away like even building the transaction itself from signing it right so i still own my assets you still need my permission and my client software my application my game my wallet they all verify that the transaction is is, is a legit valid transaction but i don't have to uh, have any of the gas tokens i don't have to be concerned about pointing to a given rpc endpoint so right now if you go and you have your wallet let's say you have metamask and you target base you need to add that you need to add that chain to your metamask right and if you want to do polygon then you got to switch so all of those things can be abstracted away we've been doing it at, at me and my team before we even created Dega. we've been doing systems like this for like four years now but you can abstract away that complexity right so that's what's going to enable this interoperability right the gameplay that doesn't actually need it and then the underlying protocol plus meta transactions, which will allow you to be able to interact with the game without you even knowing that you're using multiple blockchains, right? And for examples of, of this type of software, you can look at layer zero, for example, right? So layer zero, that's what they do. They basically allow you to do multi-chain transactions uh, and they just handle it for you without you needing to even think about it. Yeah, so it all comes down to one of the key points that I think we mentioned before is about user, user experience, really UX being a priority for Web3. Uh, is there anything else uh, you think we should mention, Carlos, about may maybe some of the work that you are doing at Dega that um, put user experience really at the top of uh, developing games and also Prashant then I want you to comment as well because uh, it's great to have a decentralized infrastructure solution but what about the user experience that if I'm a game developer I want to come to Speron because the overall experience is faster, is cheaper, is interoperable but also is easy to do. Yeah, so we're talking about actually like two types of users right now, right? And what you just said, which is there's the developer and then there's the end user, right? So for the developer, what we're doing at Dega that's really different is building the API in a way that it abstracts all the blockchain lingo, let's say, and even all the blockchain knowledge, right? And how so? I can give a very quick example, right? Like many of my colleagues, and, and I have large respects for most of them, but they're, they're building tools that make my job easier, right? They, the, what they create makes my life more efficient, but it wouldn't, wouldn't work for a, for a Web2 game developer, right? Let me give you an example, right? When they um, give you an SDK to create a, a smart contract, uh, you have to do something like NFT.ERC721, new, 
right? So it's like, what? Like a game developer is going to look at that. It's like, what the hell is an ERC-721, right? He doesn't care about it and he shouldn't care about it, right? Uh, so a DEGA, for example, it would be more like um, asset dot uh, unique new, right? So instead of saying NFT or saying ERC-721, you're saying an asset, right? Or collection, new collection dot assets or whatever, right? So it's it's a lingo that's more oriented to what the gamer is used to than uh, oriented to what Web3 actually means, right? So that's on the developer side of things. That's kind of like the innovation we're pushing there, like simplifying this uh, API and SDK for the game dev. On the end user perspective, I think everybody's pretty much settling on account abstraction, right? Uh, we actually had designs for that even before that conversation started on, on the Ethereum world. But uh, obviously, we're, we're going to settle on going with standards. We don't want to make things that are hard to integrate. So everybody will probably go, be going to account abstraction. The only thing that I would add is there's probably a few other components like multi-party computation and meta transactions that allow you to even further simplify in abstract away uh, the usage of a wallet with the application, right? Like we, I believe that at the end solution for the user experience on Web3 is to eliminate the word wallet, right? We shouldn't say the word wallet. Just like right now, you don't say the word, um, for example, account when you, when you're talking about your user, right? You're just like, yeah, I just joined the application and uh, I'm I'm working, I'm using the application, right? You're not like uh, thinking about the fact that you have to have an account in that sense, right? Um, and that's where I th you would usually call it your profile, right? Like when you're in social media, it's my profile, right? You're not thinking in terms of private keys and the fact that you have a user and password you do have it and you know it but you're not thinking in that sense right it's more about people instead of things and that's where i think that we need to take it with web3 it's more about carlos in the game than a web3 wallet account in the game i think uh, carlos has covered the user perspective um so i'll be mostly like how exactly the user is going to be feeling like so but if you look at the asset side again the same question drills down is how exactly these assets are going to be stored and that is where Spheron or like decentralized like companies like us comes into the picture makes the life easy so for example for my example the, the entire system will change so for me carlos will become my user where i'll instead of like asking carlos to go and host your entire assets into uh, some uh, centralized servers or somewhere we'll give them an API using which they can upload our assets directly to decentralized infrastructure and that is it. So just writing two lines of a code in their existing code base, the entire asset can be easily uploaded to decentralized infrastructure. That is where the storage part comes, comes in the picture. And that is where we are simplifying the experience of making that part more decentralized. Now, second thing which comes into the picture is it's fine. I can go and upload this asset to your decentralized infrastructure wherever you are, like asking me to upload. But what happens if I am going to retrieve that data out? Because just uploading is not everything. In gaming ecosystem, you need a robust system where you can retrieve the, uh, the asset also with the same speed and efficiency. And that is where what we have done at Spheron is we have built a CDN layer, which is a content delivery network layer on top of our existing uh, layer zero, which we call as IPFS layer or the base layer. And then we built a CDN on top of that. That basically means like 
the experience for the Carlos users. So for example, like say if, if somebody, uh, Carlos is onboarded hundreds of users, now those hundreds of users can see that content at the same speed as they can see anywhere else. So just to kind of summarize, but it, it goes a lot bigger. I'm just trying to just, just summarize it in a very simple term. So this is how exactly and, and um, the other part uh, from this Ferran angle comes into the picture. And the same is applicable to launching your compute, launching your uh, storage, launching anything around those areas. So that is where we, we took out the workload of developers to focus heavily on investing their money, research, R&D and everything on thinking about how to remove that wallet, what has been, what we have just discussed and rest should be handed to us and they can focus on that area and we focus on our area. So that is where Sferon comes into the picture. Prashant, how do you deal with the security? How can you, you know, when uh, when you are talking to your partners, uh, say, you know, we are a solution, but we also put security as well as user experience at the top of our, uh, you know, priority. So whenever you go to decentralized infrastructure, you get a security by inherently by there. For example, let's say what uh, Carlos just mentioned just few minutes back, he was talking about MPC, which is multi-party communication logic or whatever, right? So using that, you can also decentralize your keys as well so in that way you don't have to rely on Spheron so Spheron whatever data you store on Spheron it's a data which can be shown publicly very easily of a gaming assets so security never becomes a concern there now security becomes a concern when let's say you are running a compute logic on Spheron and that compute has some proprietary code or something which you don't want it to expose and that is where what at Spheron which we have done and, and overall our learning into the Web3 infra space has pushed us to kind of build this solution and that is what I spoke just a few uh, minutes back was we are going to be launching a scalable compute and that scalable compute which is on-demand compute, compute which we are calling is going to be enterprise ready and it is going to be enterprise ready that basically means like all the security concerns will be solved there. So that basically means like whenever you deploy via Spheron, you get all the security audits or whatever you're looking forward out of the box without even like having any concern there. So in that way, that is one more way to kind of secure your uh, API endpoints or whatever you are kind of working on. So that is how we are going to be tackling. But at this point of time, even somebody goes and deploy anything, I don't see any security threat as such. Like, de like deploying your API code or whatever because it's a very straightforward you make a call you pull the asset you give the assets to the user and which is already happening on chain which is a public data and and all the keys and everything is already handled by the teams like Carlos or in the Dega right so they are currently working on that infra part so that is never our headache and that is where I told is, is that is their job our job is to provide the infra so whatever they need to make that happen we are there to support so that is how we uh, kind of deal with security but Again, on the compute level, we are working on it. It is going to, soon going to be live as well. The moment this video will go live. Carlos, I have got a question about community uh, engagement because you you mentioned that as being a very important part of Web3 Gaming. And, and also, I wanted to see if there is a way that we can bring in the concept of infrastructure around this. So one of the key things is really to build a reward system, to build engagement experience that actually benefit from this centralized application so is how is Dega dealing with uh, building those engaging experience and uh, uh, I don't want to go to the point of tokenomics but I would say is there a way where infrastructure web tree infrastructure becomes very valuable to foster this engagement in the gaming community 
Yeah. So yeah. So first of there with the community, basically, I think that many of the projects make the mistake of you know again putting things in front of people, right? So everything's about people. So at Dega, um, we we definitely wanted to keep that in mind. So we created what we call the tribes program, and we already have thirteen tribes. They're kind of like the equivalent of a gaming guild, but um, we we consider this a much more extensive uh, let's say type of organization right we see them kind of like if you would like a gamified DAO in that sense right and in the sense of how the infrastructure comes into play in web3 i think that as you, you said the key word there which is tokenomics right so everything around let's say a progression system right which is what we use in games right when you start growing and leveling up that's a progression system uh, and then there's the power system which is like what you get um how does that equate to what somebody else gets right like a power system an example of a power system is like what pokemon has right like fire beats water water uh beats uh, earth and earth beats fire right that's a power system right so basically we're taking this and we're making it pervasive across the entire dega ecosystem so when you join dega you're kind of like already playing an rpg we have daily competitions uh, where we reward people with dega uh, we have nfts that you can level up based on the uh, value that you provide to the dega ecosystem so the whole blockchain let's say experience it's already ingrained in dega from uh, day one right in the sense of everything that you're doing is progressing you towards something right and uh, when we deploy the meta layer of the protocol which is uh, that that would be an entire conversation in and of itself but essentially that that'll be like the main thing for the Dega protocol which is what will allow us to coordinate across multiple chains when you do that um, that will also have an impact in your, let's say, avatar in the system, right? So everybody in Dega will have their avatar, which is an NFT, which they will progress and improve and grow over time, like an RPG game. And the amount of the validation that you do in the network and how much you've safeguarded the network will also impact your reputation, which will in turn have effects on the governance side of things in the community, right? So one of the biggest issues that we've seen in the space, and I'm sure both of you are aware of many cases where somebody comes with a lot of money, buys a whole bunch of tokens, and then tries to take over the DAO, right? So to avoid this, we will be using a reputation, a reputation system in the the nfts right the dega nfts and that's again heavily connected to the progression system and the blockchain tokenomics and um infrastructure decentralized infrastructure aspect of it yeah i think you touched a very interesting point i was just gonna ask i mean if we have to address the challenges of uh, scalability of web3 infrastructure what are the solution and and you kind of started already to touch on the point is there anything else prashant that you would like to add you know um surely there are challenges to scalability of decentralized infrastructure what can we do or what are you doing in the direction of solving those problems minimize it you know make things better so if i speak uh, from the front of spheron itself um so for example storing assets on IPFS in 2019 and 20 was like pain. Like 
you just upload anything and you keep withdraw like you keep retrieving that asset it never used to return back uh, and after all even it used to take a lot of time over the time what happened is like the companies there are tons of different companies which has kind of got built like pinata nft storage and tons of other companies and in which spheron was also one of the same as well where what we have built is to um, build a layer on top of that same existing infrastructure which caches that data so that adds the scalability layer if you kind of look at a very uh, bird eye view where uh, what we do is like we still use ipfs but we don't use that ipfs layer directly to kind of kind of have the data like retrieval process from the network rather we pin that data to the nearest to our data location servers and we pull it from there uh, it becomes a little complicated to understand but let me let me give you a very good example here as we three of us are sitting together now if i have to if i if i can if i have to build bring something back from carlos and let's say uh, stefy you are in between then i just have to ask you stefy to pull that data or the pull ask uh, stuff uh, like carlos to give me that data right and you can just ask carlos because carlos is very near to you um and you give it back because i am near to you and you are being in center so imagine you being in center is spheron and both the end are the in the carlos becomes a decentralized infrastructure and i become a user so whenever i need an asset i ask you which is spheron and i give you back and you don't directly interact with the underlying layer and this layer of yours which is a middle layer can be scaled horizontally or vertically wherever you want to scale it depending on however you want to so that is how exactly we are bringing the scalability on the retrieval part which is one part of the entire infra stack so just to kind of show you how we are tackling that scalability issue on a decentralized infrastructure side yeah super interesting um now moving to how do you see the future so we talk about a lot about solution for web3 games but there is still a world of web2 games that need to make the leap and need to innovate at some point how do you see this integration and uh, the transition from web2 games to web3 games um yeah so i think that uh, one of the key uh, aspects there is going to be um how we onboard not not only the games but everything that's around it right like everybody right now is focused on just like onboarding gaming studios gaming studios like the gaming studio is coming to you and it's like why would i go into something that i don't know that's more complicated you know where's the money in it for me right like because we, we are all passionate builders right let me make that very clear right and, and in gaming people are very passionate like gamers like a lot a lot of the people that built gaming software they they get paid below the average of a software developer and they still do it for years that's how much they love it right so let me be clear that they're very passionate you know creators but even so right like obviously from a business perspective the business kind of be like where's the money in it right like why would i go and complicate my life with blockchain you know with no particular benefit so basically what we need to do is start to onboard the creators right and start to onboard the web the web2 communities because you need to have the streamers you need to have the audience you need to have the engagement so you're kind of in this in this you know the chicken and egg problem right the famous you know i need the one side of the market but i also need the other side right so for example in dega the way we're addressing this is we're closing partnerships with some of the largest um, gaming streamers in the industry in the web2 industry and we're also closing partnership with some of the largest events in the industry right like gaming events Uh, so I think that once we have those and we start creating applications using uh, technology from our partners such as Spheron, 
then that showcase that you can have a blockchain experience with all the benefits of true ownership of open apis of secondary markets and you know they don't require you to upload your credit card or anything that allowed you to start just playing and engaging then we'll be able to onboard many of these games they'll start coming to us right when you say okay i have you know a game or, or, or a community of 10 million players here ready to roll then the games will say yes we, we want to be a part of that like so now all the blockchain things plus making money makes sense right and i think that that's kind of like where we'll, we'll, we'll be doing the coming year and not only dega i think most of the companies in the, in the space will be focused on that i think let um so i believe in one cause like what he has covered is the same thing but i kind of imagined it in a very different way just let the people fomo in and how people will fomo in is when you bring a lot of votes on the table uh, it's a political system right so if you look at a web3 or any any world out there it's a just a po- another political system which drives everyone so that basically means like if you look at a bitcoin is itself right so in 2009 10 and, and when it got started nobody was looking at and suddenly etf is getting approved and uh, and then suddenly a lot of things are getting, getting happening and and it shows the power of the people is like when there are when the, whenever there are the people around people understand there is a value so the value is directly proportional to the number of people using it and that is where i personally feel like um, what carlos has picked a point up around the um, like we bring the people and and how we bring the people is creating the two market sided thing where you go and onboard tons of people by incentivizing or bootstrapping the liquidity early liquidity or something so that they kind of start using your your product use the same people go to the uh, into the web2 world of the other side and tell them is if you build here this is what the benefit you will get and that's it that is what everyone is looking at um and that is what i would also love to add on is it's it's just a timing and also the way we executed um but there are few again uh, there are few uh, constraint which is always going to be there like regulatory constraint there are certain constraint as well but as the time passing on things are becoming better so uh, we can imagine as as the time will pass on the more and more user will come into in web3 space on the gaming sector itself and we are going to boom and we are going to web, bring web2 folks also formal in into web3 well fantastic i was uh, i was going to ask you another question but you kind of like capture it in your answer why people should care about your solution i mean uh, is there any anything else that you want to add just so we can wrap up the discussion i think uh, solutions are a lot into the space um the question, like why why do i use apple phone and why don't i use android on daily basis and why do people use android and why did why do why they use apple it's a question like that so it's a, it's always a taste okay so for example let's say specifically talking from the infra perspective okay not from the user perspective or end user perspective infra is all about a test the more better experience you will give to your targeted user the the more chances of you to getting utilized and um, since web3 is quite new and um, very very new in terms of the infra space it took us some time to understand uh, which kind of a user experience is needed and we came to a conclusion is like people don't want to switch their attention here and there always so they want to stick on the same attention timeline so we are at sphere on we are just focused on giving the web2 experience but with web3 underlying infrastructure so that is what we have uh, i just wanted to add on to kind of like how to 
uh, accelerate the adoption for Sphere and onboarding user experience. Yeah, on my side, I'd, I'd like to put it short for everybody out there in the audience. Like, why would you use Dega or Sphereon, guys? Because we'll just save you years of development, right? Like, we've gone through all the pain points. We've suffered so that you don't have to suffer. And we've simplified this and made it into, you know, a system that works. It just works. It's there. It's ready to roll. You can focus on your business. Let us handle the complexities, right? That's kind of like the short version of why, why we would use our product specifically, right? Now, in terms of why would you use Web3 in general, I mean, it opens up a whole new universe of revenue models and financing, right? Like generating cash flow from your secondary market trading, generating cash flow from the value that other developers built on top of your system, right? So I create an NFT collection or I create a token and other people make gaming experience on top of that. That's like an instant sell for me, right? At least because I understand it, right? Like gamers, um, even if even though it is a very bleeding edge and technology oriented industry, a lot of them are still very conservative. So a lot of the companies are super conservative. I think it was uh, Steam that recently banned um, a developer's game because it had AI integrated into it. That's that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's like being against the internet, right? So the same thing happens with with blockchain right now, right? It, it's still you know some of them are still a little bit afraid of it rightfully so it's something new uh, but as they start seeing uh, success cases right because we're starting to see triple a game quality in a lot of the web3 development um, that's going on right now like the original web3 games are like honestly they were really bad but they're starting to get really really good so once you start seeing how they rack in cash flow from all of these different type of revenue models and the fact that you can finance without needing access to U.S. markets, right? Like, for example, I'm in Latin America, right? For us, it's super complicated to try to get financing for a gaming company, right? Even in the U.S., it's not that easy, but, but they do have some um, recourse. So in short, you know, why, would, why people will want to use us? Because there's going to be, you know, good business in it for them, right? Well, Carlos uh, Prashant, thank you so much for coming on the show. Anyone listening that is interested in exploring Sferon and Dega Solution, they can find all the social media link in the description and they can always reach out to us and have a conversation because we are a community, we all build together and you know, those two guys, they've already done the hard work and uh, you know, they also want to hear from you to develop uh, things that you want to do. I love the fact that we mentioned about, you know, it's all about user experience. It's all about make sure that we provide solution that people likes and want to use. It's not about trying to be, try to reinvent the wheel. It's really to get solution that make people lives easier but also more fun and unlock new experience as well so it was a great discussion thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much Steffi thank you for having us Steffi it was a true pleasure